appreciate the fellowship. It does get to a little bit of my nerves as a preacher when you put a preacher on a timetable. It, 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 I, I always enjoy Ken's confession. I needed that to hear about anxiety. Uh, anxiety. So let's dig in this morning. James chapter 4. It is my desire to say a few words this morning on the subject of interpersonal conflict. Uh, it's something that I, I think about myself when I'm in the middle of certain things. And I would define interpersonal conflict as conflict that uh, occurs between two individuals that are close. So that could be in the church setting, that could be in a marriage, or that could be in a work setting. And specifically, the way that I want to look at it this morning is this is conflict that, that takes place between two Christians. Um, we could say a lot about conflict that occurs between a Christian and an unbeliever. But this is conflict that takes place between two Christians. And a little bit more specifically, it's conflict that occurs between two Christians. And we know that the sin, sin is active under the surface. But above the surface, sin is not clear. Um, so if you ask 10 different people, you, you wanted counsel on this conflict. You ask 10 different people, you would get 10 different answers. Uh, you ask 10 different wise individuals, you would get 10 different answers. Um, and if you're sitting there right now and you say, well, uh, Joe, I don't know what you're talking about. All the conflict that I've ever had in my life has been pretty clear. Uh, well, this message is for you um, but, but because that's not usually life. If all of your conflict has been clear, uh, either one or two or both things are true, either A, you're really mature, immature in Christ or your experiences have been limited in life. Uh, because much of our conflict is not clear. And so I want to look at that this morning in the moments that we have. James chapter 4, if you have a copy of God's Word, and I would ask you to stand this morning in honor of God's Word. The first four verses. What causes quarrels and what causes fights among you? Is it not this, that your passions are at war with you? You desire and you do not have, so you murder. You covet and you cannot obtain. So you fight and you quarrel. You do not have because you do not ask. You ask and you do not receive because you ask wrongly to spend it on your own passions. You adulterous people, do you not know that friendship with the world is enmity with God? Therefore, whoever wishes to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. Father, we ask that you would bless this morning the public reading and the public explanation of Scripture, and that your will would be done and that you would be glorified. And we ask these things in the strong name of Christ. Amen. You may be seated. I have five children, as many of you know. And if you have an analytical uh, bone in your body, that would tell you many things about my home. Uh, one thing that it would tell you about my home is that I, I never quite have enough money. Um, no matter how much I make, uh, I could always make a little bit more. Uh, the other thing that it would tell you about uh, my home is that there is always something broken at my house. Um, you, you can always find a bike with a chain thrown off. Just, I live in the world of, of fallenness because of the wear and tear. Uh, it would also tell you that it, at any point in our house, you can always find somebody who's hungry, somebody's awake. Uh, you hungry? Yeah. Oh, yeah, sure. Is it time to eat? Uh, uh, no, it's, it's midnight, uh, but uh, there's always somebody hungry. Uh, the other thing and the last thing that it would tell you is that uh, as an individual, I have seen and experienced more interpersonal conflict with siblings than any 
human should ever have to uh, endure. Uh, I have a form of PTSD now because of this. Sometimes conflict can be going around me and I can just be staring up into the clouds, kind of oblivious of it. And it's not my children. I think it's probably a universal thing. But when you come up to conflict with a, a child and two children are, are, are arguing over a ball or over who gets to pick the show or whatever it is, a child's view of conflict is always the same. It's universal no matter where you are, whatever culture you are. A child sees three things in conflict. And it's simple. A, a child believes that, that somebody started this conflict. Um, that, that there is a culprit. There is a villain that, that someone started it. And secondly, the, the primary thing that is going on here is that that individual uh, must be determined, they must be caught, um, and they must be punished. Um, and the third thing is that I am not that person. Um, and, and, and that's conflict is a general rule with children. It, it doesn't rise above that. It doesn't increase above that. And as we think about that in its simplicity and its rudimentary form, I have found that often with Christians, even though that they have walked with God for a period of time, they still view conflict through those same lenses. That even though they've matured with Christ for a period of time and they're in the middle of conflict with someone in their church or in their marriage, they really only have one thing at stake. That someone started this. That all that God is doing at this point is really that we just need to see who said something first. And that's all that God is doing. However, with conflict, it is much deeper than that. There is more at stake than that. God has created, He created all things in perfect unity. Mankind before the fall were in communion with God and with each other. In mankind, they chose to rebel against God. They waged war. They waged conflict on God. They waged war on the triune God. In this, this action, it catapulted mankind into a state of constant war and constant conflict with God and with each other. And so now our world is, is characterized by constant conflict. One of God's main objectives in redeeming a group of people is to create a unified, redeemed people to worship Him throughout eternity. God desires that His church be a people of unity and peace in order to bring Him glory that manifests the unity that we see with inside the Trinity. But even though God has justified us and is in the process of sanctifying us, we still have the same problems that the world has. We still have division. We still have conflict with each other. And in many ways, we have the same problems that the world has. In many ways, we're not much different than the world. We have the same issues. We have the same struggles. However, our responses must be much different. Conflict is a part of life. Everyone in this room has experienced conflict to one degree of another on a daily basis. Some of you, because of your personalities, you're a little bit more direct and you experience conflict face to face because you do not have a problem with uh, verbalizing what is on your mind. 
For others of you that you lean a little bit more heavily on the peacemaker side, you experience conflict also on a regular basis, but it is much more internal. You are constantly at war or conflict with inside of your, your being and you do not often verbalize it. Conflict to me is, is fascinating. It's, it's complex. You, you, you look at a conflict and maybe you're in something and there's so many different angles to it. There, there's so many factors to it. There's so many things that have contributed to it. Because of the fall, we, we all come into this world so, so different. We all have our little quirks, don't we? We all have our little idiosyncrasies, don't we? We're all wired so differently and we, we view life so differently and it's so, it's so easy for us to, to bump into each other, isn't it? Our consciences, they're, they're, so, they're so different. They, they've been fabricated. How we view behavior, how we interpret behavior is so different. It is easy on, uh, 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 on any situation that we can brush into us. Our senses of humor are so different, aren't they? We all think things are, are, are funny and then another person thinks something's not funny. I'm going to say something now and immediately it's going to make some of you feel uneasy and some of you are going to agree with the statement. But all it means is that we're different. Okay, this is what I'm going to say. I find our commander-in-chief funny. I find him funny. I find our president funny. Now some of you immediately says, no, I, I don't think he's funny. I don't find him humorous. What does that mean? That means that we're different. And we view life differently. We view reality differently. Some of you are already a little uneasy. It's okay. It's okay. It's okay. It's okay. It's going to be okay. We, we, we look at situations and, and we, we can be sometimes in conflict instantaneously. We're going about our life and we're not even prepared for something. And then all of a sudden we're in the middle of something. And we think to ourselves, how in the world did that happen. And then oftentimes we can, we can be in long-term conflict in our life. There, there's a relationship in our family member that, that even though we've said everything that we can possibly say, that relationship just is, is always a little out of joint. There's, there's just always a little degree of, of tension there. There's always a degree of, of edginess there. The relationship seems to always be a little bit out of step. And then the other fascinating thing about conflict is that there's conflict that we can be in that we're not even aware we're in it. Have you ever thought for a second that there's someone somewhere right now who is annoyed by you? Have you ever thought that? Just by the way that you walk into a room every day where you work and the way that you set your stuff down and, and, and the breathing motions you make with your mouth, whatever are the same words you say in every situation, it frustrates them. We rub into each other. We, we brush into each other. In internal conflict, it, 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 it immediately makes us rely on the Holy Spirit because there's so much about it that's so difficult to navigate through it. If we have hurt feelings towards someone or another believer, do we go to that person? Should, should we overlook a fault or should we engage that person? When do we overlook stuff and when do we engage a person? If we go talk to a person 
Is it okay for us uh, to talk to another? If we have an offense towards a person, is it okay for us to talk to another Christian about that? If we have an offense towards someone, or excuse me, if we're third party and someone comes to us and they want to talk to us about an offense that they have towards someone else, do we listen to that? Or do we immediately say, no, 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 no. You need to immediately go to that person. What do we do if we think a relationship is strained, but we're not sure? We kind of think, hey, this relationship seems a little bit different. This person's acting different. Their their countenance is different. Do we go to that person or do we just let it ride? What do we do if a person comes to us and they tell us that we have offended them, but we do not feel like that we've done anything wrong in our heart? Do we apologize? Do we just say, okay, I'm sorry. Okay, I, I, I didn't mean that or how it was gone. There's so many things that it produces that we do not have answers to. I don't think this morning that we will come to a conclusion on everything, but maybe it will give us some basic understanding. James chapter 4. I won't give you a lengthy introduction into James chapter 4 because I'm going to take for granted that you understand James. It is a practical book. There is a believing side of the gospel and there is a behaving side of the gospel. And James is on the behaving side. It is the New Testament version of Proverbs is what it is. James chapter 4 verse 1. James asks this question and he says, What causes quarrels and what causes fights among you? I mean, James is saying, where does all this come from? How did, how did this happen? How did, I, how did I get in this conflict? It was, it was a beautiful day. I'm, I'm riding in the car with my spouse. Everything's great. And then all of a sudden, we're, we're in a completely different disposition and culture than we were previously. What causes this? I had a great relationship with someone in church. And, and then all of a sudden, there's, there's something that's just gone off track. The word fights and quarrels, they're... They're, they're similar but different. One speaks of, of serious disputes in relationships. And, and one of them more, speaks of more significant disputes that, that if, if, if gone unchecked can actually lead to murder. 1 Corinthians 1.10 makes the point that conflict is not God's design without, with inside the body of Christ. That is not His design. That that, that one thing that marks a believer as being converted is that they desire peace with brothers and sisters. That, that their first inclination is to look over an offense and desire peace. That is the mark of an individual who has been regenerated. James also speaks in verses 4 and 5 of if, that if a person is in constant war, constant conflict with believers, that is a mark of worldliness. That, that, that is how the world operates. That is, that is unchristian behavior to be in constant conflict. There is just some people that they don't, they don't know life without conflict and drama. That's just, that's just normal to them. They're just kind of like, hey, I just got out of a fight. Is there a new one? Where's one? Just kind of start one. I just love them. James says that is not the person who is regenerated that's not how they operate and he says what causes this among you now that little phrase there tells us that 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 he's not talking about the big bad world out there he's talking about the church he's saying what causes it among us what what causes it in this this setting now let me say two things about conflict with inside the church and i'm talking about conflict that that we know sins there but it's just not 
clear. You, you, you've brushed into somebody. You, 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 you've taken a, a, an offense. Uh, we're, we're, talking about, we're, we're talking about petty things. Someone in the church has a birthday party and they didn't invite your child. Okay, stuff like this. This is, this is where we live. This is these, these are the kind of things that, that we live and we work out the gospel. There is a type of conflict that takes place in the church that is bad. And there is a type of conflict that takes place in the church that is, that is healthy. Um, on the bad side, 1 Corinthians, uh, the, the, you, you, there's, always, there's always a lot of examples for, for bad living to, to pick on the Corinthians. They're, they had, gave us a, a plethora of examples. Uh, conflict was, was rampant in the Corinthian church. And and it marked them out as, as spiritually immature. Paul tells them in 1 Corinthians 3, he goes, you're, you're immature because you are in, in constant conflict. Proverbs talks about a person that is quarrelsome. They, they are constantly in fights. And, and I think Romans makes the point that we are to avoid such people. Um, the, the quarrelsome person, they, they're, they're in constant fights for, 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 for a myriad of reasons. Um, I think in the reform movement, there's, there's so many things that leans to this. But, but, but some people, they, they do not have a good grasp of primary issues, secondary issues. That's the quarrelsome person. The quarrelsome person, they, 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 they dislike the word nuance um, because they think there's no nuances. We no, need no qualifying statements because life is black and white and there is no gray. But, but we live in a world of gray. We, we, there is gray in this universe. But, but this person, they, they, they're in constant fighting and constant conflict because they cannot prioritize theological things in life. But then there's a, there's a side of conflict that inside of a church that is, that is normal. It's good. I, I would call it just an occupational hazard. Um, I, I was reading an article recently on church membership um, and it said this. It said, if you are a good church member there should be somebody in your church that annoys you. Okay, let me say that again. If you're a good church member, there should be somebody in your church that annoys you. Now, what does that mean? That means this, that the church requires for us to get close to each other. It requires that, okay? It requires for us to, to lean into relationships, and it's just a natural thing in a fallen world that if you lean into relationships, eventually we're going to bump into each other. Okay, Con uh, Iron cannot sharpen, sharpen iron without contact, right? We, we have to be close to each other. That, that's, just a, that's just a normal part of life. And so if you're the type of individual like, the sister brought up here today, if you're the type of person who, who just always stays on the edges of a church and you never really dig in and you're kind of like, man, they don't really seem to get along with anybody, but I don't have any relationships here. That's a mark of unhealthiness because it's very easy to kind of stay on the fringe and never delve into relationships. But if you get close to each other, if, if, you, if you live life in community with each other, it's going to happen. I think even more so in a small church. I pastored a small church for close to 13 years, even more so in a small church. Um, one person said in a big church, 
You pick your own friends. In a small church, your friends are picked for you. Um, and I believe that to, to, to be true. You, you, you just have certain relationships and certain personalities. And, and sometimes when conflict happens in the body of Christ and there's a rub, that's a sign that, that health has taken place, that, that, that you're having a community group with each other and, and something happens and you're living life together. It's a mark of healthiness. Now James, he, he asks this question and he begins to now answer it. And he says this, Is it not this that your passions are at war within you? James says that all conflict is a result of internal conflict. All conflict that we have first starts in here. That, that we are beings, that, that we are, our hearts are a constant battleground or a battlefield. That there's war going on inside of our hearts. And he says this, this conflict, it begins in here. That, that we have these passions. It's hedonism. We have a desire to be satisfied. We have a desire for, for something to bring enjoyment. So conflict, it begins with something of self-satisfaction. We have this strong desire to be satisfied. So, so all conflict is ultimately rooted in idolatry. Okay, We have something... We have something that's a good thing and we make it an ultimate thing, right? That, that's what Augustine said. Augustine said that our main problem is that we take good things and we make them ultimate things. That, that's our problem. We worship the creation instead of the creator. That, that's where we live. And so James says that, that that's, that's what happens. Everybody in this room, you want something. I want something. We were, we were created by God to want things. If I told, if I said right now in this room, we're not going to take prayer requests, but I want to go around the room and just everybody say one thing that you want, I would have no problem people raising their hands, right? Everybody in this room, you want something. I, I, I kind of want, $10,000 would make my life just a little bit better. Um, I'd like my, my jeans to fit a little bit better, right? Everybody has something in this room that you're, you're craving, and that's not necessarily a bad thing. Thing because God made us that way. But the problem is when these things become, become ultimate things. The, the, the problem is, is that when, when these things, they, they take over our lives and they're things that God has not promised us. Anytime that we have conflict, if you trace it backwards, you will always find your idols. Every time you have conflict, if you trace it backwards... You will always have the thing, you will always find something there that you crave. Let me give you a hypothetical example. You have two ladies in the church. Um, we'll, we'll name them. I don't know anybody's names here, so I'm not uh, picking on you. So if I pick your name, it's not it's random. And I don't talk to your pastor that much. So I don't even know any problems going on here. Or maybe there's none going on. Who knows? Um, yeah, I'm an innocent bystander. So, um, so be like, <clears throat> I don't want you to look to your husband. He's like, did you tell the pastor something? No, it's, not, it's not what's going on here. So let's say there's two ladies in the church. Uh, we'll call one Tracy and we'll call one Jill. Tracy has, has always been, she, she's the type of person who's always been good at, at everything. Um, everything in life, she, she has some perfectionistic tendencies, but everything in life has come easy for this person education and and life and she's always th done things well in life um she has just had her first child 
And that first child has, has, has changed her life and, 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 and gave her many difficulties in life. And there's many challenges that she has that she did not have before because there's now something in her life that she cannot control like previously she could control things. And she's having challenges with, with getting this child to sleep at night and it is a struggle. She's talking to Jill in the nursery. They're just having a conversation. Uh, Jill is a little bit more of an experienced mother. She has three children maybe. She's done a little bit longer. And, and Jill has a personality where she can be a little bit quick with her tongue. Tracy's just kind of opening up her heart to Jill, saying, listen, this is what I'm going through, and this is what I'm happening. And, and Jill, for whatever reason, her mind is different places or whatever, she just kind of says off the cuff, she says, well, well Tracy, you've you got to figure that out. Uh, you've you got to learn how to get that baby to be able to sleep through the night. That's just something you've got to figure out. Not really meaning anything by it, but, but it just kind of comes out. Well, well, Tracy leaves church, and, 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 and Peter talks about a seed of bitterness. It just kind of goes out, and it comes in, and it, it just begins to grow in Tracy's heart. How, and she just begins to have all these thoughts. How, how dare her say that to me? It, did, did, her kids, her kids are the most un, unruly kids in the whole church. How, how, in, how could she say that to me? And, and I know for a fact that their parents have to help them out financially all the time. I, I'm good at this, right? You say, Joe, you seem like you've done this before. Um, uh, uh, it, and all of a sudden, these, these thoughts and these ideas, they just begin, to, they just begin to spring up in her heart. And all of a sudden, a relationship that was fine at one point there's now just an edge to it. There's just now just a, a rub to it. Now the issue, if, if, if you're looking at this conflict like a five-year-old, as a five-year-old, a five-year-old would simply say, well, Jill started this. But here's the problem with, with real conflict. Uh, in most of the conflict that we have, it's very challenging to determine if the person started it is sinning. I can't tell you if Jill was sinning and saying that comment. But what I can tell you is that Tracy is for sure sinning right now. Tracy's now got sin growing up inside of her heart. You see, the question that a person who has gospel lenses on always asks themselves about conflict is not who started it. But the question is always this. What is it that I want that that other person is not giving me? You see, that is at the heart of all conflict. The heart of all conflict is idolatry. There's something I want and this person is not giving me. I want respect. I want people to look at me and think that I do everything well and perfectly. And I want everybody to look at me and praise me. And when they don't do that, Sin just bursts forth in my spirit. You see, conflict at the heart of it is always idolatry. I, I, I want to be respected. I want to be esteemed. I, 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 I want to be constantly in the know. I, I want a seat at the table of, of power. I, I want to make decisions. There, there's things that I want that are not happening Conflict arises in our lives with other Christians because 
we view behavior so differently. All of us have such, such different consciences and we interpret behavior so differently. We, 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 we are, there's so many things that we can, we can focus on and, and we can believe that, that this is right and, and another Christian can, can look at it so differently and so uh, in a completely different way. I was talking to another chaplain brother and we were just having a, a meal uh, the other day and we were talking and I believe him to be a, a gospel-centered individual. I believe him to believe in the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. And, but he was adamantly opposed to the celebration of Christmas. Adamantly opposed. And, and we began, to, I, I didn't even really start the conversation. It was one of those conversations that just kind of started and you're kind of thinking, how do I get out of this conversation? But I'm in it now. Um, and, and he just had scripture after scripture after scripture after this and that and this and that. Um, and, and he made very good valid points. And, and I think I made a few valid points, but I was really just trying to, you know, when you got your food in front of you and you really just want to eat your food, but the, the conversation is going there. But, but he made valid points and, and I made valid points. You, you see, in life, it's 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 a challenge because because often in conflict, the question is not who is right and or who is wrong. The, the question is is often God, what sin are you revealing to me in my own heart? You, you see, God is 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 wanting to to bring the gospel to bear in our hearts and and in our pride we we hate to be challenged in our pride we we believe that we know all things and in our pride we we believe that we have all things figured out but in this conflict that God brings into our life he he brings it into our life to to reveal to us our idols so this morning if you're sitting there and maybe you're in in the midst of of something Maybe you're in the midst of something here or maybe you're in the midst of something in your marriage or maybe you're in the midst of, of something in, in another relationship. Let me say several things. When we're in the midst of conflict, a person who has gospel lenses do, does several things. The first thing that they do this is they ask this question, God, how am I sinning in this conflict? That's the question. I think that it's almost virtually impossible to two, for two Christians to be in conflict and both not have sin to repent of. That's just my belief. I believe that if you're in the heart of conflict, that usually sin will take place. The second thing is this. It should be the go-to position as a believer who has been changed by the gospel that their go-to, their default setting is to look over an offense. That's what Christians do. That's what believers do. They look over things. They get over things quickly. That's what believers do. That's what Christ has done for us. And a believer, they always want to say, how can I look past this? That's what they want to do. And the third thing is this. They want to fight hard to believe the best in people. That's what they want to do. So when a believer, if they're looking through gospel lenses and they believe that someone has offended them 
And there's 10 different ways to interpret this situation. Nine of them would say that the person is sinning against them. And one of them is saying that the person meant no harm by it. You know what a believer does? A believer picks the one. That's what a believer does. That's what a Christian does. You know what an unbeliever does? An unbeliever thinks about the nine. That's what they do. And they let it dig down inside of them. And they let bitterness spew up in their heart. But an individual who has been redeemed by the glorious gospel, they want to believe all things that love does. They want to pick the one. So this morning, if you're in the midst of something, this is what I would encourage your heart and encourage my heart. To lean into it. Lean into it with the gospel. And ask God that he would allow to use it to change you and change me and conform me to his glorious son. Dear Father, we come to you this morning in this issue that we, I, I find so difficult and challenging. And I don't believe that I did the best job of explaining it, Father. But we ask that you would take the foolishness of preaching and you would use it to change us and to conform us. And Father, when we're in the midst of conflict with our brothers and sisters, we ask that you would show to us and reveal to us our idols, Father, and our sin, Father, and that we would look past things, that we would forbear with people, that we would bear things internally with the gospel, and that you would be glorified and that you would be exalted. And we ask these things in the strong name of Christ. Amen.